Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football Friday, Birds fans. You got your Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. We sounding okay there, Johnny Mac? You hearing me? Oh, yeah, I'm hearing you. A little okay. bit of a hiccup. I hear what you're saying. Hopefully, uh, it won't go south on us, Jody. But good to see you. How you feeling? Number one, the tremendous work ethic of Jody McDonald. Test COVID positive. He's out one day, 24 hours, and there, bang, you're back. It's pretty impressive. It was was a tough 48 hours because as soon as I got off the air with you on Wednesday, I knew I was hurting, and the wife said, oh, you're taking a test. Uh, And we went over this last week. You believe you've taken 100-plus COVID tests, correct? Yeah, correct. How many times they come back positive? Zero. Zero. Crossing the finger. So you're 0 for 100 and change. I'm 1 for 1. Yeah, I'm in, first, a, I'm in a hell of a slump, Jody, Yeah, which is a good slump. You're going to have to test positive a hell of a lot more to try and catch up to your partner yeah. who's batting 1,000 in COVID That's impressive. Tests. That's Hall of Fame numbers. There's yeah, no yeah. way I'm getting to the Mendoza line, never mind 300. So. Understood. Yeah, if you got close to the Mendoza line, we'd be uh, sending flowers to yes, your funeral. Exactly. Uh, so gl- glad to hear we're, we're at the opposite ends of the spectrum. But yeah, I'm feeling better. Uh, doctors pre- prescribed a uh, medicine for me, and it's it's working. It's cutting back on the uh, uh, aspects of, of COVID, but it's doing a number of my di- digestive tract, which is no fun whatsoever. So well, I'm still fighting my way through it, but knew by uh, old late afternoon yesterday I'd be good to go today because I'd get another good night's sleep. There. Wednesday night, I went to bed at 8 o'clock. The last time I went to bed at 8 o'clock, I think I was in the seventh grade. 
I have not gone to bed at eight o'clock since I don't know how long, but uh, the, the rest has helped and I do feel better. And it's a good thing because we should be getting pumped for the start of a football season. We're down to just 11 days before camp opens up. A uh, day or two later, Johnny will get his first grass time with the 2022 Eagles, which, yes, that's what this city looks forward to. Um, um, I know I've told this there, they show many a time on uh, my radio shows. Uh, I'm not sure if I've uh, told it on uh, Birds 365, but I, I moved to town in 1990 and I came in from New York, which was, is, and forever will be a baseball town. It's the number one sport in that town. Always had been Yankees, uh, first the Dodgers and the Giants, then the Mets. Uh, it has been a baseball town first and foremost. Not that there aren't huge fan bases for both the Giants and the Jets, but they just don't compare to the uh, size and the passion of the, the baseball fans in town. And I'd never worked in a town that wasn't a baseball first town. And I had to come here to Philadelphia to learn that, oh, other towns can put football before baseball. Didn't know it. Wasn't sure about it. First show I ever did on WIP. I walked into my boss's office. And uh, I laid out the show for him before Lenny Dykstra was going to be batting lead off in the all-star game that night. Blah, 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 blah. And I finished running down the things I want to talk about during the day. It's July. It's a similar date to this one. Tonight, uh, this weekend is going to be the uh, all-star weekend. So it was right around the same time, um, 32 years ago. And my boss said, well, what do you think about the Eagles? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> boss it's july there's nothing going on the eagles aren't in camp we got two weeks before camp open up free agency is done i doubt highly i'm going to get that many eagle calls he said well if i were you i'd have an eagle opinion or two ready I said, all right well i'll see if i can come up with something hopped on the air talked about lenny in the all-star game in the philly second half of the season but but telephone lines open four of my first five calls were is it smart to sign jim mcmahon Will he be a deterrent <laughs> to Randall Cunningham? Should we have a quarterback looking over the uh, current starting quarterback shoulder? How long is it going to take for Jim McMahon to take the starting quarterback from Randall Cunningham? These are four of my first five calls. I got one baseball call days before the All-Star game, and four out of the five callers wanted to talk about the Eagles and their backup quarterback. So it didn't take long for me to learn that Philadelphia is a football first town and with the fact that we're only 11 days away from camp opening up, yeah, this town should be ready to rock. Yeah, they should be, man. I, you know, we had your other partner, Glenn Mack, now on earlier in the week. And I think Glenn I explained it well. It's like you get really, really pumped up uh, for the opening of training camp. And then you start to say, eh, this is kind of boring. And you look forward to that first preseason game. And you say, oh, oh, this is kind of, let's get to September. I think it's a, it's a every year, but it is exciting. The first of training camp. And it's ironic because you've been in, you know, doing this for so long, Jody, and you've been doing it so long in Philadelphia, as you mentioned, this was a baseball town at some point. I mean, you probably have to go back to the 76, 80 ish era of Schmidt and all those guys, uh, but this, like the rest of the country, was baseball first, the national pastime. Um, and I, I think I've asked you that question before. So you got here in 1990, and I could you have sensed the shift? Shift already happened. 
Yeah. So it happened oh, yeah. sometime between, say, 1980 and 1990. Um, I can't put my finger on when it exactly happened. Oh, I'll give you two words. Dick Vermeil. Dick Vermeil. Yeah, going into the, the, the you know, 1960, Dick Vermeil just had his, and people could see this on Jacob Sports, wrote about it at Sports Illustrated as well. Um, he had his virtual, everything's virtual still in the Hall of Fame, the media availability this week. Um, and he talked about his time in Philadelphia. And it was basically 1960 to 1976 when Dick Vermeil got here. Awful team, awful organization, awful ownership, awful players. Um, and it took Dick a couple years, 1978. So almost two decades. Then they finally get 1980, the championship game and the Super Bowl. So uh, two decades for that. But um, yeah, he de he definitely is the star of it. And look, bottom line, they have a Hall of Fame coach, right? And he's just the Eagles are just part of Dick Vermeil's lore. Um, if you go, say, from 1976 to the present, you're not the best coach in Eagles history. He's probably the second best. Um, although you could, I guess, you know, if you want to put all the eggs in the Super Bowl basket, you got to give Doug, Doug some respect. But look, Andy Reid's one of the greatest coaches of all time. Doesn't matter. Doug won a Super Bowl. Doesn't matter. Neither are more, more popular than Dick Vermeil. It's amazing. I, I, that one I can't figure out completely, uh, but it's true. And it's kind of amazing. But you're right. I mean, he turned this organization around. And, and, and by the way, Jeffrey Lurie deserves a ton of credit because he's one of the best owners in the NFL. I'll criticize him when he deserves to be criticized. Like, he, he sticks his nose into too many things. But it is way better to have an owner who cares and who wants to win than the opposite, who's just, you know, in the industry because it's easy to make money and you can flip the, or, the team – I don't know if you saw the story, Jody, but $11 billion of, of national revenue for the NFL last year, obviously an all-time record. That means from day one, you pretty much know you're getting $335 million if you're an NFL owner just to run the team from, from revenue sharing. It's pretty good. It's a pretty yeah. good start. Um, so, you, you know, I, I think front page sports was the one who did it. Uh, I'll try to figure it out. But, you know, when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys, he, he spent less than 335 million. So many of the owners spent less than that. Just the operating income that you get to start the season. But, and that's not all of it, but that's just the national stuff. Right. Is more than most owners, you know, spent to buy these teams. So, to have an owner like Jeffrey Lurie is a heck of a lot better than the alternative. And for the older fan, the younger generation has only had Jeffrey Lurie. He's been here for a long time, over a quarter century. But those who lived through, you know, the Brahmins and the Tosa, they know better. They know better. And Dick Vermeil was, as you said, we can argue his placement on a list of all-time great Eagle coaches and go back to Greasy Neal and figure out where most popular, Dick Vermeil. Okay. They, they, there's not even a debate. There's no conversation. Not necessarily the best achievements or achievements, track records or track records, resumes <clears throat> or resumes, 
just most popular, beloved? Oh, yeah, Dick Vermeil. And I think that was, if there was a debate as to whether it was a baseball town or a football town first, yeah, Dick Vermeil swung the pendulum enough to make it a football first town. All right, uh, Johnny Mac, we got two good guests coming up today. Our buddy Martin Frank from uh, Delaware New Journal and our very own Barrett Brooks will join us in hour number two. Here's where I want to start with Eagles today because you wrote about it. And it's funny because I was going to bring it up before I saw your latest missive. Where is the Eagles' biggest drop-off? We go into the season with the belief, unless you got guys who are on the pup list before the season ever starts. No, by the way, Eagles have two of those. Um, we believe that everybody's going to be healthy. <laughs> we foolishly believe they're all going to be healthy for all 17 games. That never happens. No. But that, that's the way you look at it during the offseason when you're evaluating what kind of team you have. And you know who the 22 starters are going to be. And even with that, there's some reaches because certain positions lend themselves to situational substitutions and guys not going to play 100% of snaps on his side of the ball. Um, but you know basically who your 22 lead guys are. And then there are the next 22 who back up each of those 11 positions on offense and defense. And if there is an injury at one of those positions, you have to put in your backup guy. How big is the drop off from your starter, from your best guy, from the guy you're banking on taking damn close to 100 percent of the snaps to whoever you're going to have to fill in afterwards? And I don't think there is any question that the guy the Eagles can least afford to lose to an injury one week, four weeks, eight weeks, God forbid, an entire season, that guy's Dallas Goddard. Because not only is Goddard prepped to have a big season, most of these off-season rankings lists have him somewhere between the fifth and the seventh best tight end in the National Football League. That's a pretty high ranking. The Eagles only have a handful of guys who are ranked higher than that in most of these lists. And most of them, by the way, on the offensive line, where luckily they have depth. And if they lost an offensive line guy, they wouldn't get killed because they've got good guys who are ready to come off the bench. The backup tight end position for the Eagles is a little bit thin, to say the least. And I saw your article where you speculated on some guys above and beyond those that are already on the roster and let me unfortunately go ahead and say the guys on the roster aren't good enough. Um, if they were to get involved with looking for another tight end, you threw out a couple interesting names. Yeah. Well, but, but that's Alex Schmidt did that. And he's one of our interns here at Jacob sports. So I want to give him credit. He's the one who threw out some names, uh, potential when I, when I did my tight end preview, um, I mentioned, <laughs> You know, there's a significant drop off between uh, Dallas Goddard and whoever Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra, whoever you want to assume is going to be the tight end too. So you start, and and by the way, we talked about that on the show. You start to talk about, you know, if this is a position you might have to look outside the building, um, whether that means trade, whether that means cut down to 53, and who's on the waiver wire. There's a chance you can improve by going outside the building. You know, and Alex brought up some big names. Eric Ebron, probably the most notable, who, you know, had 13 touchdowns. I think everybody remembers him, former first-round pick, injury-prone. It's kind of where are you if you're the Eagles? 
And it seems to me, like, do you think you're a significant contender? If you're the Eagles and you're looking in the mirror and you think you're a significant contender, you probably want a Band-Aid in case something happens to Dallas Goddard. Um, that you could at least have this uh, – uh, you're going to have a drop-off. You know, uh, that's understandable. As you mentioned, so, some of those positions on the offensive line. Well, if they lose Jordan Mailata or Jason Kelsey or Blaine Johnson, they're going to have a drop-off. But at least you're going to have a competent player to insert uh, because they have such impressive depth. I can't necessarily say that uh, at tight end. You hope it. Um, but hope is not a strategy. A wise man once told me that. Howie, I'm looking at you. Um, so, you know, if hope is not a strategy, I think it's pretty clear the Eagles want to look at their young guys. They want to hope that Jack Stoll improves. They want to hope that Grant Calcaterra is what he was at Oklahoma, and he's a really a second or third round talent or something of that nature. And maybe that takes off. And they'll revisit it if they get to camp and say, okay, these guys aren't ready. This isn't good. Then they might start looking outside the building. But I always say the big name, you know, the big name trap, is, as Joe Banner likes to call it, you got to be wary of that as well. Um, you know, everybody knows Eric Ebron. You know, everybody is coming off injuries. That 13 touchdown season was, I don't know, 2018. 20 a long time ago. Um, not that player now. So you got to be careful. You got to weigh it, but they need help. And one other name I'm going to throw out there as well is Hassan Reddick on the defensive side. When you talk about depth, I mean, I don't, if, if they lose Hassan Reddick, they're not even going to play that position. They're just going to change how they play they're going to play more traditional defensive ends. They're going to play more Brandon Graham, maybe even Teron Jackson as a young player. Um, their backups behind Hassan Reddick are Patrick Johnson and Kyron Johnson. They're not even going to play that position if Hassan Reddick uh, goes down. So those, I would add Dallas Goddard certainly, and I would also add on the defensive side, Hassan Reddick. Uh, where there just isn't much depth behind those two players. Right. Uh, I think you answered your own question there. We, you don't, you're not going to get a replacement for Hassan Ray because they're just going to eliminate it. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're going to go back to their their former defense more than anything else. So then, I I don't see that as a major drop off. It's just a major change. Dallas Goddard's a drop off. If Dallas Goddard goes down. Uh, hey, I, I I saw Calcaterra play a handful of games at Oklahoma. I saw none of his games last year. I, the scouting reports were that he was a very good pass-catching tight end before he suffered X amount of concussions and decided to drop uh, off of football, move away from football, and then decided to come back and play. I'll, I'll judge for myself. You'll judge for me when you're at practice on how good this kid can be. But he's a question mark. You oh, don't, yeah. you do not replace an all pro level player with a question mark and not think there's going to be a drop off. So if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm sorry. I'm not worried about fear of the big name, fear of, are we in it? Are we a true contender? Are we a rebuilding team? What are we? No, you need an upgrade at the position. And if a guy's still unsigned at this stage of the year, 
Nobody's commanding a multi-year deal. You're going to be able to get a decent team-friendly deal done with a guy. I would look for the Eagles to add another uh, upgrade at upgrade at the tight end position uh, before we get too far into camp. All right, we haven't gotten too far into the show, 20 minutes to be exact, but that's the time we take our first break and bring in our first guest. Joining us next here on Birds 365 is Martin Frank from the Delaware News Journal. He's next here on Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. A football Friday here on Birds 365, Mac, Mac, and Frank. Martin Frank from the Delaware News Journal jumping aboard with us here. Martin, we got 11 days before camp opens up. What do you do with yourself just before you know you got to go to work basically every day for eight months? Oh. That, that slight downtime is dwindling and uh, dripping away. What are you getting in before you got to go back to work? 
Well, it's it's funny you should ask me that, Jody, because uh, I remember you guys probably know Bob Brookover. He used to cover the Phillies sure. for many years. And he said he used to get uh, ready for spring training by going to a fitness center, standing in in the middle of the, you know, of the fitness center for like two hours, just standing there and then talking to people as, as they went along. <laughs> so I'm going to like stand outside, you know, you got to get ready for the weather, obviously. So um, yeah. I'm going to stand outside, like outside my driveway for like two hours straight, just kind of like standing around in the hot sun, you know, getting ready and stuff. So I'll be ready for that. Make sure you don't talk to anybody. Just stand out there for two hours, Martin, and then exactly. start talking to people. Because that, you got it. Hey, practice makes perfect. The Eagles yeah. don't understand that, but we understand it. We got to get ready for this thing. We got to, yeah. Jody just depressed me, by the way, Martin. We got to get ready for this grind coming up. Although, exactly. who knows? The Eagles, I joke, you know, yeah, let's get those. Uh, Let's get moving, Philadelphia Eagles, with those credential requests. Uh, oh. <laughs> but, yeah, Martin, right. you you are counting down. This is the season of list, as we say. And you are counting down your nine most important Eagles uh, as we lead up to camp. I can mm-hmm. guess who number one is going to be. Obviously, you're not going to give it away. But um, you, what number you're on eight i believe and that eight, was yeah, uh, that was we were just talking about hassan reddick mm-hmm. um you know it's interesting hassan because they don't have much depth behind them but as i kind of mentioned to jody and i don't know if you heard when you're in the green room if, if they lost a player like him they're just going to change their entire defense they're not going to use that player uh so that makes them pretty stinking important yeah absolutely um and it's kind of interesting because last year, you know, they wanted to play that way, but they didn't have Hassan Reddick. I mean, they yeah. had Jannard Avery. And so when you look at, you know, Hassan Reddick compared to Jannard Avery, I mean, that's a massive upgrade and everything. And that kind of gives them flexibility now to actually play the kind of style that Jonathan Gannon wants to play and, and do it effectively. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's had 20 – three and a half sacks over the last two seasons. So, you know, they have now that flexibility to have a guy, you know, from that linebacker position who can rush the passer, uh, you know, to go along with the four guys on the defensive line. So that makes them much stronger, you know. But like you said, if, if you know, Hassan Reddick were to get hurt and miss significant time, then they're back to where they were technically last year with Jannard Avery, even though Jannard Avery isn't there. But you know, similar type of guys, unproven and not not nearly as good as Hassan Reddick. So, yeah, he's he's a very important part part of that defense. You know, going into this season. Let me follow up with you with the other thing I hit with John in the first segment of the show today. If Dallas Goddard goes down, the Eagles are in a whole hell of a lot of trouble. Right? Would you think the Eagles will just go with the, what they have on the roster now? Some guys who have either limitations, who have no idea, as rookies, or do you think Howie Roseman is contemplating, maybe even talking to some free agent tight ends, and he will bring someone in maybe before camp starts or just as camp starts? Or do you think they just roll the dice and go, hey, we'll we'll play this by year as we go. We'll keep an eye on everything, including the waiver wire, but we know at some point we're probably going to add a tight end. How do you think the Eagles right now look at their backup tight end position? 
Um, well, I think it's it's a situation where they want to play more, you know, 11 personnel with three wide receivers. So, I mean, if Dallas Goddard were to be out for maybe a game or two, I think obviously they would get by with what they have. Um, if it's more long term, I mean, you know, there's always Richard Rodgers, um, you know, as a veteran guy. I mean, yeah. is, is he still on the? Yeah, he's, he's still, still here. Yeah. man roster. Yeah, so, I mean, yep. You got a veteran guy there. Um, you know, Jack Stoll. I mean, he was okay last year. They like, you know, Calcaterra and everything. So, you know, maybe you roll the dice. You know, if it's if it's not a long term type of injury, you know, you, you obviously you're gonna emphasize the 11 personnel a lot more you go with uh you know they're gonna do that anyway i mean dallas goddard um is obviously a big part of the of the passing offense and everything like that but once you know i think like they could get by short term if he were to have it you know suffer an injury and everything like that if it's more like a long-term season ending type of deal then yeah they would probably look at the waiver wire and try to make a trade before you know, the October, end of October deadline um, and address it that way. But, you know, I think if, if it were a short-term type of deal, I think they would go get by without without Goddard going more 11 personnel, which they're going to do anyway. So Yeah, and Tyree Jackson as well, you got it. He's going to start on right. the pup list, but he got hurt. I think that game was January 8th, um, yeah. week 18. So um, nine-month injury. It's basically September 8th, uh, three days before the start of the regular season. He could be in the mix relatively early in the regular season. So just put Tyree Jackson in the back of your mind as well, because the Eagles still really like him as a prospect as well. Uh, But I want to shift towards uh, the expectations of this team, Martin, and, and how that can weigh both positively and negatively on a, on a team with a young coaching staff, a young head coach entering his second year and a young quarterback, third year, but second year as a starter. Um, I think we all know Jalen Hurts' mentality, his work ethic. He tends to uh, be very uh, capable of drowning out the rat poison, as he likes to call it. Um, but how do you think, expectations can you've been around numerous teams over the year can that can that go in a positive direction negative direction or do we make too much out of that um i think it can go in a positive direction like you look at the composition of the team you got like you know your veteran guys like kelsey lane johnson fletcher cox um brandon graham you know, all these guys have been around. They've been on teams that have gotten off to bad starts and totally fallen apart. You know, so they're kind of like a, like a guiding light, so to speak. You know, they're not going to let, like, let's say if the Eagles get off to a slow start, like, you know, they lose that opener in Detroit, which would obviously be a travesty. And, you know, <laughs> everybody would think like the, you know, the sky is falling and stuff. But, you know, they're the kind of guys who would be able to rally rally the team around them and stuff like that. I mean, you know, Nick Sirianni, obviously only going into his second year as a head coach. I mean, even last year, he wasn't the kind of – when they got off to that two and five start, he wasn't the kind of guy who was going to panic and say, oh, my God, what are we doing? What are we doing and stuff. In fact, he went – you know, he went to the flower pot analogy and, you know, they turned it around, you know. I mean, he showed that he's 
able to adjust um, to some extent, you know, to overcome a slow start. So I think, you know, with the veterans they have on the team, the fact they went through it last year and, and didn't fall apart. I mean, it, it seemed like it was getting pretty close um, at times, especially after that Las Vegas game, um, game in Las Vegas where like Fletcher Cox was pretty much trash and Jonathan Gannon and his defense. And, you know, you kind of thought, oh, you know, this is where it's going to fall apart, and it didn't. So they've kind of already been through it before, even though they're young. Um, they rallied around Jalen Hurts. They rallied around the veterans. And, you know, they switched to the run-based offense and everything like that. So I think they would be able to handle the expectations. I don't think they're going to get too carried away by everyone saying, oh, you know, the NFC East is wide open. It's there for the Eagles to take and everything. I think they know they're a good team, and I think, you know, they're going to have to, you know, deal with the expectations. And I think they've proven that they can. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it'll be a major factor for them. All right, Martin, put Eagle Nation aside for a second. I only want Martin Frank's opinion. <laughs> what is your confidence level in Shane Steichen as the full-time, until otherwise told, every down play caller for the Philadelphia Eagles? You guys got a chance to talk to him basically every week right you got both of the coordinators yeah. every single week during the season uh, yep. and the whole second half of the season maybe more than that Steigen was calling plays he wasn't telling you guys he was calling all the plays right. kind of came as a surprise to all of us when Doug unearthed that during the offseason but we know that's going to be the case going into the season what's your confidence level in Shane Steichen eagle play caller um, I would say on a scale from like one to 10, I'd give it like a seven. Um, I think, you know, he, he knows how to call an offense based on what he and, and Nick Sirianni want. I mean, I don't think he's going to go rogue or anything like that and call like 30 pass plays in a row, um, you know, have Jalen Hurts throw deep every time. I mean, he's going to do it within the scale of what he – and Nick Sirianni, you know, want out of the offense. Like if it means, you know, maybe here and there you take, take a gamble and stuff. Like, I think that's okay. Um, I, you know, he's proven that he can call an offense before. I mean, you know, he was there and, in, in, you know, with the chargers with Justin Herbert, um, you know, calling the plays and, you know, that was Herbert's rookie year and stuff. So he, he did pretty well. So, you know, I think he's got, you know, the knowledge, the basic um, fundamentals as far as being able to call an offense and stuff like that. So I, I don't really worry too much about it. I think if he were to, like, start, like, doing something out of the ordinary or something, like, that's totally against what Nick Sirianni's doing, Nick Sirianni get on the headset and say, Shane, we're calling this, stop, you know, maybe turn off Shane's his headset. Get, yeah, like Shane's that. going rogue. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, so, which is why Martin. The bigger part of that to me is not the play calling. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's overrated anyway. That's about preparation during the week. But um, you don't typically do this as a young coach. You, you you're brought in as the offensive guy. And remember, at the time, um, you know they were kicking Doug in the butt out the door. Uh, the, the offense isn't inventive enough and it's got to get more creative and all the nonsense you hear all over the rest of the NFL as well. It's not unique to Philadelphia, but 
he's brought in as the young offensive whiz kid and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And all of a sudden he says, you know what? And he, by the way, he's right. But he says, this is a big freaking job. I got other stuff I got to do. And I'm this close to Shane Steichen and Kevin Petullo. Um, They can handle that part of it. And I can concentrate on the larger job. I think it's great. Jody knows that. I think it's phenomenal. But you don't see that with young coaches unless it's taken away from them, which there's no evidence that's been the case in Philadelphia. Do you look look at it as a positive that Nick Sirianni was willing to do that and wasn't worried about his ego and saying, I got to call the plays. I got to, I got to have it. Yeah, actually I, I find it kind of refreshing because uh, you know, I remember when, when Doug Peterson took over, that was like one of the first questions he was asked, like, you know, who's who's going to run the offense? And he's like, I am, you know, even though he just yeah. hired Frank Reich, you know, Frank Reich's been around the block a few times. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, it was the same way when Chip Kelly was here, you know, it was Chip Kelly's offense. He was going to call all the plays and everything like that, you know. So I just I don't understand. I just never really understood why, like, a head coach felt, compelled to also be the play caller and everything i know it's his team and ultimately his responsibility and everything like that but like when you're a head coach that's a lot i mean you've got to be basically the ceo you've got to be the guy who like runs the entire team and then you're you're also calling the plays on offense i mean it just seemed like a lot and that's why you have an offensive coordinator i mean that's the job of the offensive coordinator to run the offense so Yes, obviously, during the week, like you mentioned, the preparation is key. And, you know, there's nothing to suggest that Sirianni doesn't have a big hand in that offense and what, you know, and what they're going to call during the game. So it's, you know, Monday to Saturday, Sirianni has his hand in everything and he knows exactly what kind of plays are going to be called on Sunday. Now, the actual plays themselves, that's probably up to Shane Steichen but that's in the framework of what they prepared for from Monday to Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised more coaches, head coaches aren't, you know, I'm surprised so many head coaches are also calling the plays on offense. I mean, I just think that's, that's a lot of work to do. (laughs) There's just uh, some of them that it's in their blood. And you mentioned one Martin and that was Doug Peterson. Doug yeah. took pride in the fact that he was calling every single play. He didn't want to give up that responsibility. Yeah. He had no desire to be a CEO coach and he did win a Super Bowl. So you can't yeah. uh, knock him for it. All right. I want to jump to the other coordinator, the other side of the ball. Uh, and that of course, Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles upgraded the pieces that Gannon has to work with when things weren't at their best. And he had a good season. I don't want to knock his overall season, but there were games where he got called on the carpet pretty good. Um, a lot of us said, yeah, but he didn't have everything. One, He has a system. He knows what he wants to do. They just didn't have the talent to be able to pull off what Jonathan Gannon wanted. Well, he's not going to get that break this year because they've upgraded the talent, got him a big DT to play in the middle of the line, got him a pass rushing edge guy, got him an upgrade at the other corner, of course, from Darius Slay. How much pressure would you say is on Jonathan Gannon coming into the year? Um, well, I mean, a lot. I mean, you know, you all the things you mentioned about last year, absolutely right. And yet he was still a finalist for one or two, 
head coaching jobs. So, I mean, people obviously bought the fact that, hey, he's got a pretty good defensive scheme. He just didn't have the guys to um, execute it as much last season. Well, now he has the guys. I mean, like you mentioned, you got James Bradbury, you got Slay, you got they brought in two linebackers, if you count Kaiser White and also Nicobe Dean, you know, like every like three down linebackers basically who have speed, who can kind of cover and rush the passer and stuff like that. You know, you upgraded the defensive line, you added Hassan Reddick, um, you drafted Jordan Davis in the first round to go with Fletcher Cox and J- Javon Hargrave. So you know, there's no reason why the Eagles shouldn't have a good defense this year, and and obviously that will reflect positively on Jonathan Gannon if they do. I mean, this is probably going to be his last year here as a defensive coordinator because obviously if the Eagles do well, he's going to be head coach next year. And, you know, if they don't do well, well, you know, he might be yeah coaching somewhere else, maybe a linebacker coach or something like that. So. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on Jonathan Gannon, and and the Eagles pretty much, you know, it's kind of like the same thing on offense with Jalen Hurts. You know, the Eagles went out and improved the offense around him, so he's basically saying, you know, Jalen, this is your team. Um, if you can't make it happen, then we got to find a new quarterback. And it's the same thing on, you know, on defense with Gannon. It's like, you know, you want to play this defensive style well, here. We got you the guys who can do it. So it's on you now to make sure it happens. I'd expand that to the whole coaching staff, Martin, because, and I've been talking about this, it's very rare where you bring an entire coaching staff back, the exact mm-hmm. same coaching staff. Um, either, um, you know, fire some guys or guys get promoted. And we know the history with Jeffrey Lurie recently. And then I go back to those expectations. So this year you're saying to yourself, well, if the Eagles live up to their expectations and they're a really good team, as you mentioned, Jonathan Gannon, Shane Steichen even might get promotions elsewhere uh, and be out of here. If they don't live up to those expectations, we, we get we need a Mike Rowe or Carson Walsh, Martin. Somebody's got to pay for that and Jeffrey Lurie's yeah. mine. So this is kind of it for this particular band getting back together. Um, how important is that continuity on the whole coaching staff for the Eagles? Oh, it's it's very important. I mean, you know, everybody coming back this year knows exactly what's expected. I mean, you know, you know what Shane Steichen's about on offense. Everybody coming back knows all about that. I mean, you have a few new players who have to, you know, work into the system, obviously, A.J. Brown, but pretty much the entire offense is is intact. Um, and defense, it's the same way. I mean, you know, everybody, Fletcher Cox knows what Jonathan Gannon's defense is. I mean, he's going to have to play screens. He knows that now. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no, um, you know, there's no ambiguity anymore with that. I mean, and if he doesn't, well, they drafted Jordan Davis in the first round and he plays screens. So, you know, there you go. Um, he'll, he'll lose playing time, you know. Hargrave made the Pro Bowl last year under Gannon, so he knows all about what Gannon's, you know, he he obviously works well in Gannon's system. You know, you got your defensive ends, they rush the passer. You know, they're not playing the wide nine that they did under Schwartz. They know that now they have to read and react. And, you know, it's the same way in the secondary. I mean, uh, Darius Slay, you know, Pro Bowl player, had a great year last year. They had Bradbury, so now he's got better help i mean steven nelson was good last year but you know bradbury's probably 
a step above that. So yeah, there are no surprises. Everybody knows what's expected of them. And, and, you know, there's no excuse for them not to, not to be um, ready to take that next step and everything like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's great to have that coaching continuity. I mean, it also speaks to the fact that, you know, only Gannon really last year was in demand, and even that was kind of tepid. I mean, nobody was. Well, I don't know. Up. Three interviews is pretty stinking good. Yeah, it was <laughs> but a like nobody was like clamoring for Shane Steichen. Wow, like that. Uh, so. Kevin Pachulo got an interview. Yeah, I think, and, and Brian Johnson got an interview in Green yeah, Bay. And these are all young guys, guys, so yeah. obviously they want to. You know, at some point, I'm sure head coaching is probably something they want to strive for and everything. So yeah, if they have a good year, those guys are going to get. Those guys are going to get head coaching opportunities next season or the season after or whatever. But, um, you know, so it helps the Eagles in the short term. In the long term, those guys will probably be gone if they're good. And if they're not, then they might be gone anyway. All right, Martin, I want to ask you about a couple of Eagle draft picks mid-round from just two years ago and who you think has the better chance of doing some significant contributing for the Eagles this year. And I refer to assuming health with both players. And I know it's probably a little bit of a stretch with each of these two players, but uh, uh, Davion Taylor and Kayvon Wallace, third round pick, fourth round pick, 2020. Both the times have flashed, but then taken step backwards and or gotten hurt. Eagles have kind of made advances at both of their positions, which have pushed them into the background. So they're going to have to really flash to get into the mix to play this year. Give me your breakdowns on whether either one of those two can actually make contributions for the Eagles this year. Yeah, um, I think that's a, that's a great that's a great question actually because I think the Eagles kind of answered it to some regard, especially a linebacker. I mean, you know, Davion Taylor was a third round pick in 2020, like you mentioned, and you know they went out and signed. Kaiser White for a year. They went out and drafted Nicobe Dean, you know, in the third round this past year. And he's, you know, everyone's talking about him as being like a starter and all that. So I think that kind of pushes Davion Taylor back. I mean, we saw him play, you know, he kind of came on the second, you know, at the midway point last season. I think the Lions game is when he kind of got his chance, but then he got hurt, you know, a knee injury, which turned out to you know, require surgery and stuff like that. So I just don't think he's really in their plans that much anymore. I mean, he's going to have to like show something that he has not shown yet. I mean, that's the kind of thing, like when they drafted him, he, he had like the end to end, end to end speed to be like one of those linebackers who could play every down, but like he was also relatively new to the game of football because he barely played in high school because of religious yeah. reasons and stuff. So like he had a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a lot of um, intelligence, I guess, that he had to acquire in order to play that position. And I think they're starting to run out of patience. I mean, I think this is kind of like a wake up call, like a last chance for him, because, you know, on the one hand, Kaiser White is only signed to a one year deal. So, you know, Davion Taylor still kind of has a chance to earn a role and stuff, but it might not be this year. Um, and as for Kayvon Wallace, I mean, I think it's a similar type of deal, although I think his chances are a little bit better because, you know, the, the two safeties, the vet, two veteran safeties, uh, Jaquizi Tart and um, 
uh, Anthony Harris, Anthony Harris on yeah. one year deals. So well, Marcus Epps is on a contract year as well. So exactly. So yeah, right. Epps too. Um, Epps is still kind of a young guy though. So if yeah. they wanted to keep him long term, they could probably do it pretty easily. So you know, there's still a chance for Kayvon Wallace, but I mean, they kind of made it clear that this year might not be that that chance. I mean, I think they still like him and everything. I think he's got a better shot than Davion Taylor as far as sticking here long term. All right, last one for me, Martin. Follow Martin online at mfrankNFL on Twitter. Read him, DelawareOnline.com. Uh, his top nine most important Eagles as he counts down his time to sitting around for – it's only going to be an hour, Martin. That's also a positive, not two hours. You only <laughs> got to sit around an hour before you talk to people in the heat uh, with Nick Sirianni. So That's that part's true. positive. But uh, you kind of mentioned a little bit in Jody's question with Davion Taylor, Wallace, we mentioned it with Epps. Last year, the Eagles targeted their 2018 draft class for extensions. Jordan Mailata, Josh Sweat, Avante Maddox, Dallas Goddard. They don't have to worry about it with the 2019 class because it's Andre Dillard. They declined the fifth-year option. We all know he's probably going to be gone after this season. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, we all know what's going on there. I forget who else is. Miles Sanders, they're not going to extend him um, yet. We'll see how that – and that's my question. Mm -hmm. Who is Howie Roseman going to target to get extended early? There's a number of options. I mentioned Marcus Epps, T.J. Edwards. They have a lot of one-year players. They could go the Tim Jernigan route. Remember when they signed Tim Jernigan for one year and they just said, hey, he's pretty good. Let's extend him. They could do that with Bradbury and Kaiser White and a, a number of those Band-Aid players they brought in. You have Javon Hargrave. You have Miles Sanders. Who is Howie Roseman going to target? That's the way he does business, to extend them early to maybe get a little bit of a cost-effective uh, uh, end game. Well, I think you would have to look on the offensive lines. Offensive line, I mean, a guy like Jack Driscoll, I think, if they, you know, obviously going into this season, you got a pretty good competition at right guard with Isaac Sayamalu and, and Driscoll and also Cam Jurgens, I guess, who they drafted in the second round. But, like, if you see Driscoll as being, like, a future starter at, at right guard, I mean, maybe this is Isaac's last year. And maybe you, you know, you try to lock up Driscoll. Um, they got to wait on Driscoll, though. That they, they, he's in Jalen's class, so okay. that's why I didn't bring up Jalen. They have to wait on on those guys till after the season. Oh, okay, like, right. You know, Twenty nineteen. So, yeah. yeah. So the 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 one year deal guys, Javon Hargrave is on the final year of his deal. Miles yeah. is is eligible, but we know how they feel about running back or nobody. Maybe they say, you know what, yeah. we had a good 2018 class. That's why we extended guys. We didn't have a good yeah. 2019 class. No, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's I tough. mean, yeah, the 2019 class was pretty bad. Um, but as far as Hargrave's concerned, like, it's going to cost a lot if they want to, like, extend him. And, you know, they just drafted. Yeah, he's yeah. an interesting one because he's a yeah, good that's, player. That's but a really wanna... interesting one because you also have Fletcher Cox, and you're probably you know this is probably the last year for him. You do have Jordan Davis. You do have a couple like young guys and stuff Milton like that. Williams. So, People forget yeah, about Milton. Milton Williams. Exactly. Yeah. So you might not like break 
want to break the bank for a guy like Hargrave, um, you might actually use that money instead of paying Hargrave is, you know, going after another free agent, you know, defensive tackle in the off season and everything like that. I mean, you know, someone who's younger than Hargrave, cause I believe he's going to be, he's going to be 30. Yeah. He's going to be 30. So, he's a tough decision. Jay yeah. I mean, I can, I can definitely see a scenario where both neither Hargrave nor Fletcher Cox come back next year. Um, you know, and you go with the two young guys, um, maybe you sign a younger defensive tackle as a free agent. Uh, Miles Sanders, I don't think they're going to offer him an extension. I mean, I just don't see it with a running back. I mean, unless it's like a team-friendly deal, and I, I get the sense that Miles Sanders probably won't want a team-friendly deal when you can test free agency. And, you know, if he has a big year, somebody might pay him. But, um yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a, that's a really good question. That's that's I'm I'm trying to think of like anybody who might you know maybe I think it's Epsy. Epsy. I think yeah, it's maybe Epsy. Epsy. So I mean, do I. Yeah. You know, you're you're not gonna. I'm sure. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm sure, but I would say the chances are that neither the two veteran guys are going to be coming back, uh, Anthony Harris or Tart. So, you know, maybe you got to sign apps, but I, I don't think that's going to be like a, no, no, you know, major, huge contract deal. But I, I can't really think of anybody else. All right, Martin, last one for me. And I'm going to circle it back around to the quarterback. Camp opens up in 11 days and the uh, spotlight will get bigger on Jalen Hurts. It's been there all off season, but when he's actually out there on the field, it's only going to get brighter. Is there something Jalen can do, say, someone around Jalen can do or say that will help to build your confidence as an Eagle reporter? All right, understood the Eagles already committed to it. It's not going to be a change, but this has got a chance to work this year. The, the Eagles' investment in Jalen Hurts by not going out and getting another quarterback yeah. is going to pay dividends what can Jalen Hurts do, if anything, to make Martin Frank more confident that I the Eagles have their quarterback? Um, well, I, I would think keeping his best friend, A.J. Brown, happy. I mean, if A.J. Brown is not happy with the way Jalen Hurts is playing, doesn't feel he's getting the ball enough, or Jalen Hurts is missing him when he's open, then A.J. Brown is not going to be Jalen Hurts' best friend anymore, and A.J. Brown has a nice four-year extension worth $100 million, so A.J. Brown won't be the one leaving. Um, that's going to be my biggest tell sign. I mean, Devontae Smith to an extent as well. Um, we saw a couple times, especially at the end of that Giants game, where he yeah. stumbled off the field because he felt he should have gotten the ball and everything. But, um, you know, those two guys are pretty much going to determine – how Jalen Hurts does this year and whether he's back next year. If those guys have a good season, you know, and it's not even like each of them has to have a thousand yards receiving, but you know, they're a big part of the offense. If they're making plays and Hurts is getting them the ball on time and where, where it needs to be, then everyone's going to be happy and Hurts could be the guy going forward beyond this year. And, you know, if there's more scenes where Devonte Smith is storming off the field or, A.J. Brown is wondering why he ever became friends with Jalen Hurts in the first place. <laughs> and he got problems, you know? So I think that that will be, be the biggest signal as to whether Jalen Hurts' future is with the Eagles or not. 
Read him at the uh, Delaware News Journal. He, like everybody else, got a good list going this week leading up to the beginning of camp. Do feel free to check it out. We always appreciate when, when Martin Frank cops aboard with us. MF, go hit the driveway, buddy. Get some yep, sun in yeah. there. Get, get that full hour and you better be ready. I got I to gotta wait till it gets a little hotter, you know, better simulate, you know, the heat of the day and stuff. And I, actually, I might cut it down to like an hour and a half because yeah. of Nick Sirianni practices and That's stuff. That's very there true. Yeah. It, when I say, well, you probably only need to do 45 minutes. When you train for a marathon, you got to be able to run 13 miles, right? You exactly. Have to Once you exactly. get a half in, so go out and do 45 minutes. You'll be a lock. You'll be ready for the first day. First day of grass time. Martin, a pleasure. Always. Thanks, All right. buddy. Thanks. Yeah, I look forward to it again. Martin Thanks, Martin. Frank, Delaware News Journal here with us. I'm Verge 365. You going to go out and spend 45 minutes in the sun today? Oh, I, I do. You know, Martin's in great shape. He actually runs marathons. I got to get ready for this stuff. I, I try to take a, a 30 to 45-minute walk every day to gear up for training camp. That's how nice. I gear up. Get out and get some walking in. We'll come back, take some steps, continue to talk about the Eagles a little bit later in the show. About a half, less than a half an hour from now. Barry Brooks, our bud from Sports Take and NBC Sports Philly, is going to jump aboard with us here on Birds 365. Go for the poles and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the poles and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles 
and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The Mac and Mac guy, Jordan McDonald and John McMullen here with you on Birds 365. Uh, we'll get Barrett Brooks up here in about 20 minutes from now. Uh, the sports take here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and also NBC Sports Philly, which you get to see Barrett every single day. They got him standing up. We got him sitting down. Barrett's a big boy. Damn. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's when he's with Amy Fadul. Because Amy's not near as tall. Uh, the other um, sports net anchor, what's or the girl does hockey? I can, I'm I'm completely blanking out. I uh, am uh, completely blanking out because I can't watch much TV, Jody, and I'm certainly not watching flyer stuff. So really, I, yeah. You don't I, watch you don't watch NBC Sports Philly much. Well, I like Barrett personally. I like Dave, but normally I don't have time. Uh, I like Rube. I love, I like everybody there, but I just, you know, and also when it comes to the Eagles, I don't like watching other people's stuff or reading other people's stuff because I don't want to cloud. Oh, I understand my, that. Yeah, that's so I, I don't, I don't watch a lot of it now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Yeah, people used to get mad when I would mention that on the air that I only listen sporadically to other shows on the channels that I work on. And it, well, how do you not? I said, well, because I don't want to be accused of stealing other people's ideas. If my ideas happen to match up with another person's ideas, it's just because we think alike and it's a coincidence. It's yeah. not like, oh, I got to hear what he says so I can say the same exact thing. I never wanted to be accused of that. And I didn't want to have my uh, thinking influenced buy it so uh, i just drop in from time to time i don't spend hours listening to my same show so i know exactly where you're coming from that you don't want to overdo 
other people's takes on the birds when you want to keep your ideas separate and the same. I, uh, here's an idea that I know is going to get me in trouble with the Eagle fans. Um, I saw your Sports Illustrated list. You're counting up or counting down, depending on how you look at it. Uh, best football players on the Philadelphia Eagles. You had Goddard at number five, which we both agreed in the first segment of today's show. If he goes down, Eagles are in trouble. At number four, you had Jordan Mailata. Johnny Mack, we had started Birds 365 at this time last year. It was July, and the Eagles were getting set to report to camp. And Jordan Mailata was the backup to Dillard at left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of people have probably forgotten that, that we knew it was going to be a competition for the position, but you said, and you were right as per what they did at practice, oh, Dillard is going to get the first shot. Yeah. Dillard he, is, that's why I said he was number one, actually. Dillard. Right. Yeah. The depth chart listing, however you want to decide it. Dillard was in that position as starting left tackle, and it was going to have to be taken from him. And it was. And it was obvious. And it was blatant. And my lot has stepped in. You said, damn, this guy's good and this guy's ready. Now he's a... Uh, contract extended millionaire who's hopefully going to be at right left tackle for the Eagles for years. It just did a great job last year. There's no chance that that was a flash in the pan. Was there? I don't think so. I, I don't, it, 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 it is an amazing story and I don't think people realize just how amazing, uh, you know, I, I say it all the time. The first time I met Jordan, my lot, he didn't know how to put on a football helmet. I mean, he, he was at ground zero. He didn't know anything about the sport. They just saw this guy and he said, wow, he's six foot eight. He moves like he's, he's 360 pounds. He's 380 now, but um, he moves like he's, you know, two, 295 pounds. He's just incredibly strong. He had all the traits to be a dominant player, but didn't know how to play the game. Didn't have any technique, no fundamentals. And a lot of that, Jeff Stoutland is, has looked at it as like, and he's explained this to me, he didn't have to break any bad habits. So in a lot of ways, it was a positive. He could, he could, he could teach him from the ground up and literally teach him everything uh, because it's very difficult to, 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 to break bad habits. But as good as Jeff Stoutland is, Jody, and I say that, and it was the San Francisco game in 2020. The Eagles didn't want to play Jordan Mailata. They had a bunch of injuries. They had no stinking idea. They had no idea. In fact, before he got on the field, I would say they were closer to giving up than thinking he was going to be a star. And I don't think people realize this. And they had to throw him into the deep end of the pool. Had to. And Jeff Stoutland didn't know. And you actually used the term, I hope. I hope he's ready, but I don't know. And they threw him out there in the deep end of the pool, and he held up, and he held up, and he held up, and he kept getting better and better and better. And all the traits developed to the point where he's just bigger than everybody. He's more athletic. He's stronger. And now he's got, and, and the scary part of Jordan Mailata is 
he's still got room to improve because the technique, especially as a, he is phenomenal as a run blocker. I mean, he goes straight ahead. It's just, hey, bigger, stronger guy. And he understands leverage now, understands technique. But he's still got a lot of room to improve as a pass protector, especially against guys who are really, really quick. Those are the guys that he tends to struggle a little bit with. Um, so he's got plenty of room to improve. And he's already one of the best left tackles in football. Arguably, the only one better is Trent Williams, who is a no doubt about it, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest left tackles of all time type of player. That's it, man. Everybody, you can say Tyron Smith if he's healthy, blah, blah, blah. It is amazing. And if I go back to that San Francisco game, and I they were closer to giving up on Jordan Mylott. And if those injuries didn't happen and they weren't forced to put him on the field, he would have never gotten on the field. It's an amazing story. It is, and that's why – And. I'm not suggesting this is the way I think or this is the way I feel. I'm just pointing out that it's very infrequent that a guy who wasn't a highly thought of draft pick, seventh rounder, wasn't a guy who sat on the bench for years before he ever got a chance to play. To have a guy like that jump in and go from backup to start the preseason to not only win the starting job, but become, as John McMullen just painted him, maybe the second best left tackle in all of football, that doesn't happen. This is so much the exception, not the rule. That's why I feel the need to ask the question, and I'll answer it myself. I don't think it's going to happen, but you can't say it's impossible that maybe things just came together perfectly for Jordan Mailata, and the norm should more rear its ugly head this year that Jordan Mailata could actually take a step backwards? Well, I, I mean, step backwards, major step backwards, I think, no. Could he take a step backwards? Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? And I asked Jordan this in the offseason, you know, all of it. Now he's got $64 million in the bank. Now he's, you know, on the mass singer. He's got everybody's uh, telling him how great he is. Um and he mentioned, you know, the good thing about that is Jeff Stoutland has been on him from day one. And he tells him no matter when he was a, a rookie who didn't know anything, he would criticize him to you know what. Now that he's a, a, a star player, he does the same thing. And that helps him. There's always a chance of hiccups and maybe it's not as good as it was last year. But I don't think you're going to see a big drop off. I, you know, maybe he's a top five left tackle instead of number two to Trent Williams. Um, maybe he's not quite as good or quite as dominant, but he's going to be really good. Uh, he's just, he's too physically gifted. All, all the questions with Jordan Mailata had to do with the other stuff, the technique, the fundamentals. And, and, and Stoutland said that the, the, also the mental toughness, you know, he didn't grow up with football. He didn't have pop Warner. You got to be tough to play football. You could be as big and as strong, and but you got to be tough. And he's proven to be he's very tough as well. So all those intangibles the Eagles knew nothing about, plus the technique and the fundamentals, he's risen those to a level that you say, all right, those are good. 
and then you knew he had the physical gifts. I mean, he's just bigger and stronger than everybody else. I mean, this is this is a league built on big, strong guys, and he's the biggest and strongest one of them all, literally. Very true. And the other thing he's got going for him is, and cross your fingers, it stays that way, hadn't gotten hurt. Now, I know he didn't play all those uh, first couple of seasons in the league. If he got hurt sitting on a bench, shame on him. But when he was no, he did, the- Jody. That that is my one concern. He did get hurt. He's had back problems. They shut him down at one point. Um, remember, they kept Jordan on the fifty-three a lot in the first two seasons, even though he wasn't going to play because they were concerned about leaving him. And guys like Ross Tucker, our buddy, and and Baldy would always pump him up and say how physically gifted he was. And the Eagles were worried about getting him through the waiver wire, so they weren't going to mess with the practice squad. He, that's my one concern. And I don't know if you're, I've said that a couple of times. He is a six foot eight, 380 pound guy who's had back problems. That is my one concern because back problems can bleep you up. Remember Sean Andrews back in the day, Sean Andrews was a great player. And all of a sudden he started having back problems. That's my one concern because he's such a big guy. Um, And he's in tremendous shape for being a big guy. He's not fat or anything of that nature. It's kind of amazing how he carries that weight on his frame because he's just so immense. But that always concerns me. He has had some back issues. And that's something you got to at least throw into the hopper, so to speak. Right. But last year was the first year that he played significantly, correct? Yeah. Well, he played, he played at the end game. of 2020. No, he got hurt. He missed three games, I think two games with a knee injury, Jordan. He, Last he year? Yeah, that was when. What two games was, was he out for? He, uh, I don't have it in front of me. I'll look it up. He, he remembered they had to move uh, uh, lane left and, and they had to play. They had to do that shuffling. And then he got hurt and Andre Dillard came in and he had Driscoll moving outside. They had a lot of shuffling chairs. I think he missed two games, but I'll look it up. Okay, shame on me. I should have remembered that, but I don't off the top of my head. I thought he played uh, in all 17 games last year. He might miss some time. Gotten taken out of a game, but you're telling me he missed two full games. Uh, I should have remembered that. Um, he got hurt yeah. in practice. Um, it just got rolled up on. wasn't okay. serious, but he missed, you know. But um, I'm trying to look it up. Uh, 14. So he missed three games. But the last game, week 18, doesn't count. Oh, so, the, the, JV, the JV game yeah, doesn't count. Yeah. No, no, no. And, no, he, no. And, he, and he played – he started – people forget, he started 10 games in 2020 after all the – he started – and it was, was it 10? Time. I didn't think it was that many. Yeah, it was 10. 10 in 2020, started 14 last year. Um, so um, 2020 is when it all started in that San Francisco game. And then he just took off last season. He was just tremendous. Uh, and and by the way, you know, because he came in as that seventh round pick, and we talked about it last year when Lane had his issues, he's like, I'll move to right tackle. Like, even though he's one of the best left tackles in football, even though he if he did go to free agency, he got a guy, he would have gotten paid really big, but the Eagles got a big break by getting them done early. Um, 
even though it, it, it doesn't seem to register to him. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go play right tackle and let Andre play left tackle. Uh, where he could say, you know what? He could do Jason Peters at this point. said, no, I want to stay at left tackle. Uh, but he's got this personality where it's like, I'll do whatever you want me to do, which, you know, is also phenomenal part of his sort of personality. Do you think that comes from the fact that he played a different sport as a uh, kid, that that lent itself to more one and for all or all for one? that some of the kids that come through the Pop Warner into high school, into college are more personally driven so that they can make it to the big show someday, that that wasn't Jordan Mailata's goal. Most players who make it to the NFL start dreaming about being an NFL player when they're, what, seven or eight, and they get so motivated to do it for the next 13 years. Jordan Mailata wasn't even thinking about the NFL until basically he got into the NFL. Uh, do you think that adds anything to do with why his attitude is as good as it is? Um, I, I, I think it has to do with he, you know, most of those players you're talking about, maybe that early people that hope, but who have a dream of playing in the NFL, they're pretty good, you know, by the time they hit high school, um, never mind college. And, you know, they get a lot of accolades. And they get a lot of people telling them how great they are. Jordan never had any of that stuff. So I don't think he developed that star mentality of, of uh, I'm this and I'm that. And he still will do, you know, if you told him to play center, he'd go play center. Uh, even though he's one of those best left tackles in football. Um, and that's one of the things I said, is that going to change with the money, <clears throat> you know, with the mass singer? with everybody telling him how great he is, doesn't seem like it's going to change. I mean, he's he's a really well-grounded guy. Um, and I think it's just because how he came up as a player. You know, he was, he was an afterthought. He was a developmental. He was a true developmental prospect. And nobody thought he'd develop. He, he, they took a flyer. And they had the best offensive line coach in the league, and even he didn't know. Even he didn't know. They threw him in the deep end of the pool, and they were probably surprised when the head came up and he started swimming. They probably thought he was going to drown, to be honest. And he is still only 25 years of age, which means the Eagles can put him at that left tackle position and health uh, permitting, leave him there and not have to sweat, about, sweat him for the next several years. I need Johnny Mac. I'm Jody Mac. That makes this. Mac and Mac here <laughs> on Birds 365. We're going to stay in a Jacob Sports way. Coming up next, I don't think he's been on with Fred a month because he launched a new show here on it's been longer Sports than that. Week. I don't think he's been on with us since the launch of Sports Take, but I could be wrong. I, yeah, I'm, I'm that's what wrong. I mean. Been a while since we've had Big yeah. Barrett on with us. Barrett Brooks going to join us next here on Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. He should jump aboard at any minute. Um, JM, I wanted to run this by you. And if uh, we get back to comment on it too, we will. Um, don't know if you saw this story. I think it moved last night. Um, two big NFL college getting ready for pro all-star games are certainly the granddaddy of them all, not the Rose Bowl, the Senior Bowl, and the Shrine Game which always comes in second to the senior bowl. Senior bowl gets much more claim and a credit and coverage and everything else. The shrine happens earlier, doesn't get as much uh, publicity and doesn't usually get as big names as the senior bowl does. Yesterday, the NFL announced that they're going to send NFL coaches yeah. to coach the shrine bowl this year, not the senior bowl. Now, this is flying the, in the face of decades of tradition. NFL coaching staffs always went in and coached the senior ball, usually the lower-level teams that finished the previous season and would be picking eye in the draft. So they got a major leg up by being able to work hands-on and get an up-close-and-personal look at these kids. They're switching from coaching the senior ball 
to the Shrine Bowl. You got any reason behind that or logic as to why the NFL would make a decision like that? Yeah, they're involved with the game. They have a little bit more control. This was a concern um, dating back really a couple years. It seemed to be trending in this direction where they're going to try to make the Shrine game into the Senior Bowl. Essentially, they're going to because they have more control over it. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, from a tradition standpoint, I think it it sucks. Uh, I think everybody enjoys the Senior Bowl. Anybody who's ever been down there scouting it. Um, Jim Nagy kind of runs it now. Actually interviewed uh, to be in the Eagles front office this offseason. Um, longtime scout, a lot of respect around the league. Uh, Phil Savage before that. Um yeah, I don't think a lot of people are happy, but essentially they're trying to turn the East-West Shrine game into the Senior Bowl. They're trying to, with you know, putting their weight behind it. It's now at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Um, you know, it's on the NFL Network. They're trying to turn that into the Senior Bowl, essentially. And you think it has everything to do with control over the game, that the Senior Bowl – didn't allow the NFL teams to do what they wanted to do. Well, more, I would, ball? I would, I would say, no, not, no, I don't think it's from that standpoint. I think it's more of um, control aspect of it. Um, I think the senior bowl, let them do whatever they wanted, but um, you know, well, if they, they don't they, have, if they don't have complete control, if they don't have monetary control, if they don't have business control, if they don't have all oh, so of you're that, talking about money. Yeah. 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 I'm not okay. talking about uh uh players or or that aspect of it. Wait, hold, hold wait. can I just check some? Yeah. Eleven billion dollars. Is that what you quoted for me before the show started? Eleven billion dollars. Yeah, funny that, thing about that's funny. not enough, so they need to make that much more over the biggest preseason uh, postseason all-star game for college players they need to grab a hold of that and say we need to wring every dollar out of this as well is that what you're telling me uh yeah funny thing about rich people is they like more money and uh you know i think it's more you know probably the control more than the money even um you know they want to be in charge um and, and by the way i i as I said, this has been bubbling for a couple of years. Um, I don't know when it was, probably five, six years ago. They, they, uh, um, you know, they started, uh, they started providing coaches that they switched the games to have NFL rules and things like that. Um, and they were trying to sort of shape it in that way, but nobody would, would, um, you know, nobody would not take the invites from the senior bowl and go to the shrine bowl. The, the good players were still going to the senior bowl and they couldn't stop it. Um, it looks like they're trying to ramp up and stop it and try to change it and try to change it to where essentially the two, the two games change places and one becomes more important uh, than the other in the senior bowl is ultimately probably going to lose out if they press it 
to the point I think they're going to press it, to be honest. So you think the – what do you think the senior bowl would do to try and challenge? There's not much they can do. That's my point. I was going to say. Other than – The NFL on, is doing this. You know why the NFL is doing this? Because they can. Exactly. They are the big dog in the fight. I get that. Uh, but the senior bowl just has to roll over and take it? They don't have to. But, you know, again, what do you do? Uh, it, it, they can go about things business as usual and see see what happens. They can move the game. They can do things of that nature. Uh, they could try to keep it as two games. But I think they want to. They want this to be the game when it comes to that. And you know, if you go if you go on um, um, the NFL operations site, they have sort of a a football ops site. You know, the East West Run game's a part of it. They fully in, in incorporated it to to their business model, and they want it to be successful. So. I mean, they're going to do everything to make sure it's going to be successful. And and I'm not, uh, hey, the NF, there's a reason they're an $11 billion business, because they're not good. Uh, so I'm not denying the viability of the league, the number one sport in this country by far. But, uh, yeah, I, and I went once, for 30-some-odd years ago, to the Senior Bowl. Before I got into radio, when I was working for ESPN, as an associate producer and went down and it was just, it was cool. It was this small little town and not, not terribly small, but not a major metropolis that came to life for this week that it was the biggest event of the entire year there uh, to, to be able to uh, hobnob and uh, rub elbows with all the people from the NFL were just really cool. I guess it'll be the same thing at the Shrine Bowl. It'll just be relocated a little bit more under the NFL's thumb. But I just, it just seems wrong, John. Oh, I agree. I, I the Senior Bowl, uh, and not just mm. because of uh, tradition, but uh, that's part of it. Um, I don't think it's broken, so why fix it? Same thing with the Combine in Indianapolis, and it's going to continue um, at least for the short term in Indy, but nobody, nobody even in the industry wants it to change, but ultimately that combine is leaving. Um, I don't know where it might go to Los Angeles. They might turn it into the draft uh, where they give it to a different city every year. I don't know when, I don't know where, but it's leaving. They're turning it into a more of a financial vehicle. Same thing with the draft. They did it with the draft or radio city. I'd love going to radio city. And now it's, you know, bebopping around the country and they make money off it. This year was Las Vegas. Um, they're going to do the same thing with the Shrine Bowl, ultimately, and that's what they're trying to do. Um, and, and, and you mentioned the access. It, it probably will be less, Jody. They probably will. That's probably one of the reasons they want to cut it down because the Senior Bowl is one of the last places where you can, you know, go to and hobnob and, talk to scouts and even that has been curtailed in recent years. I haven't been there in about five years, but um, the way it used to be already, that's being curtailed. Um, It's just where we are. 
Yeah, it was 35 years ago that I went to the senior bar. I was only in my 20s, as a matter of fact. Uh, maybe that's why it was as cool as it was, because I was just getting into the business. And I recognized him. Look at this guy. Look at those two guys talking. And you could have so much fun with it. I, I'm assuming it'll be the same, but lessened if they move it to the Shrine Bowl, which is unfortunate. I feel bad for Mobile, Alabama. All right. Uh, let's. Get back to talking Eagles. We haven't been able to round up uh, Barrett Brooks. Uh, hopefully we can punch him up before the show comes and goes. Um, I want to ask you about a column done by our bud, Joe Santa Liquido, uh, about the fact that he tried to put a positive spin on the critique that came out last week uh, via our bud, uh, D-Gun, about Jalen Hurts. That. Uh, D-Gun had a source that he trusted, giving him insight, giving him information on the Eagles and the way they feel right now about Jalen Hurts and might not be as positive as some others here in the Delaware Valley, a.k.a. Eagle Nation, are feeling about Jalen Hurts. And Santa Liquido's take was, couldn't happen to a better guy. That if there's anybody who can handle the slings and arrows the questions and the critiques of Jalen Hurts, it's Jalen Hurts because he's just that kind of a guy um, that he has been able to put his – there he is. Good morning, gentlemen. Just when we were about to get yeah. the hard time, Barrett Brooks shows up with us. BB, how you be? Good, good. I was actually outside – Finishing up or putting my ribs in the uh in the smoker, man. So oh, my there we go. Fellas, my apologies, yeah. fellas. Getting gotta ready get for the weekend. Got to get it done before camp, even yeah, before man. the grind starts, man. What was it? A week and a half. You got to yeah. get it going. Yeah, got to got to enjoy the last <laughs> few minutes of of of, of peace. But we we're talking about obviously, you know, you were in the middle of it, and D Gun set off the firestorm of. Uh, uh, people criti- uh, questioning Jalen Hurts, and I think they got lost in the weeds a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the important part of that uh, sort of uh, uh, report, whatever you want to call it, from Derek Gunn was that the Eagles were uncomfortable with Jalen Hurts. And I just asked, well, why wouldn't they be uncomfortable? Why would they be comfortable with Jalen Hurts? And I think people missed the point of it and got sort of bogged down into the the 10 plays uh, discussed. What was your take on the whole kerfuffle? With, with me, we have, it has to be an understanding of everything is relevant. You know, the relevant series that we're talking about may have just been a bad day, a bad yeah, practice, exactly. you know, and, and, yeah. and that happens. Um, I mean, I've had way more than my fair share of bad practices. In fact, uh, there were a couple of times I thought Ray Rose was going to cut me. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I had a practice so bad that he sent me in. He said, son, just, just go in. Just go in the locker room. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I'm thinking I'm getting cut. So I actually, you know, went in. I Actually, I broke my I broke my thumb. And it was cold. It's week 13. I had hit the wall. I had played in 17 games. I started um, I started from as a, as a rookie. I played in 17 games. You know, the average college career is what? I um, mean, college season is 11, 12 games the most. Mm-hmm. I break my finger that day. They tape it up, and I'm still out there practicing anyways. Uh, my coach makes me mad. I'm pissed off at him. I start chasing him around because I just hit the mark. I just hit it. I was done. He sent me in. Get in. Brooks, get in. Get in. So I get into the locker room. I'm by myself. I start packing my stuff up. 30 minutes later, um, 
practice is over with. And then when, you know, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, so I'm packing my stuff up here, you know, and, you know, the veterans come in, ooh, <laughs> ooh, B. Brooks, you gone, you gone, B. Brooks. You know, they killing me. Uh, long story long, um, everybody goes to meetings. I'm still packing my stuff up. Ray Rose comes in, what are you doing? So I get cussed out again by Ray Rose about me not being in a meeting. I said, you just cut me. I didn't cut you. I didn't cut you. Go to meetings. Go to me. We'll talk about this later on. So, you know, I, I went to meetings, you know, he didn't cut me. In fact, I ended up spending the night at the uh, Veterans Stadium that night because I went in Ray Rose's office and we got to, you know, sitting down. We talked, you know, talk about what it is being in the NFL, you know, and all that stuff. And, and you know, you're going to have days like this. You're not going to be perfect all the time. You know, you got to make sure you just give 100% effort. And, you know, I questioned your effort right there. And, and I never should have questioned your effort. I never had to question your effort. And it pissed me off. And we got to drinking moonshine. Next day, you know. Oh, gee. Wow. So, so, me so and Ray now Rose, I know why you spent the night in the office. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I couldn't drive home. I was drunk. Couldn't drive home. So, I spent the night there and, uh, you know, got up the next day and it was business as usual, man. But, it is, you know, he woke me up, made me go get in the steam room and said, I better not have a practice like that again. And, I, and after that, you know, I just I just understood from that point on that you just got to keep rocking and rolling, keep working hard, keep trying to get better. And, and you know, and that's what Jalen's going to do. I mean, if our expectations as a fan base is that we're going to get a Herbert or somebody like that to that caliber as a passer, we're not going to get that. Yeah. But it's definitely feasible to get somewhere close around a Dak Prescott, uh, somewhere close around a guy that, you know, that's very functional, winning type of attitude, and may not blow it up in the stat bar, you know, in the stat line, but he can blow it up as far as wins in that win column. He can't have a perfect game, but he'll get close to just going out there and winning you a game when it's on the line. And I think that's his biggest attribute. He wants to win. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. If it's passing, he'll pass. If it's running, he'll run. He can do that. And I think that's his biggest um, his biggest, biggest attribute. BB, when we talk about the quarterback position in the NFL, we know how important it is. We believe that the quarterback has to lift the team up. But every once in a while, it can go the other way, that a team that is so invested in their guy because they like him, because they feel him, because he is a guy who uh, they want to play for and they want to go out and bust their, their, their home for. We talk about a coach that way often, but it could also be the relationship between the rest of the team and the quarterback as well. We believe that Jalen Hurts has all those attributes here yes. in Philadelphia. Can the team really lift him up? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll just go from personal experience. I always go by examples. Um, during I was in the league, I won a Super Bowl for that, that very premise right there. It was Jerome Bettis' last year. His last year. And every man to, you know, to a T decided we were going to win the Super Bowl after we got our butts licked by the Indianapolis Colts on a Monday night. From that point on, there was no way we would have been denied in winning the Super Bowl. Everybody wanted to make sure Jerome Bettis ended his career, a Hall of Fame career, with a Super Bowl ring, number one, but number two, being in his hometown of Detroit. So from that point on, you know, I mean, we didn't win every game, but i tell you what, there was no way we weren't going to make it to the playoffs. We made it as a sixth seed, and we won the Super Bowl in spite of of Ben Roethlisberger, who wasn't ben, Big Ben then. He was still Ben Roethlisberger in his yeah. second year. You know, so it can be done. It definitely can be done. 
Um, and he just has that type of nature and, 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 and leadership quality that this team can rally behind him and, 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 you know, for the rest of his career, not just for this season, but for the rest of his career, he has that type of mantra about him. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that a likable guy that you'll go out and give your all for. And uh, I, like I said, that's one of his biggest attributes. And I think Jalen, um, you know, he's very guarded, but from what we know of him, Barrett, um, he doesn't give a flying you-know-what about that kind of stuff. And and by the way, I give Nick Saban a lot of credit for that because you hear the same thing in New England with Mac Jones. Think about Miami, and Joe, Jody's a big Tua guy. Miami agreed to trade for Deshaun Watson. They agreed, and they said, clean up these civil suits, and we're, we're getting you. And meanwhile, Stephen Ross is – getting Tom Brady on his yacht, the two Michigan men trying to figure out a way how they can get Tom Brady <laughs> down there. And Tua knows all this, but people talk about him and his leadership as well. That Alabama mindset, I think Nick Saban does a tremendous job. You know, Jalen calls it rat poison. Not only the negative stuff, but the positive stuff, the expectations. So many people have high expectations for the Eagles. That can affect players in the wrong way. Everybody patting you on the back, so so to speak, telling you how great you are. And you don't work hard. You're yeah. right. He's so well he's he's so grounded, um, especially for a young man. Um, how much do you think that helps him get through these? these question marks, whether it comes with a bad practice, a bad game, because everybody's going to have a bad practice, a bad game. You, you're right, man. Um, Coach Saban has put guys in a position where they don't hear the noise. I mean, that's one thing about Jalen. He could care less about what I say, either one of you say, anybody says. He knows what he can do and what he can accomplish. And, you know, he's, he, he doesn't sugarcoat it. He understands what he has to work on. He's going to work on those things. And, you know, as for, you know, what we as the media say, because, you I mean, you have to be thick-skinned playing here in Philadelphia. You have to be thick-skinned. You can't you can't think that um, – I, I know for a fact that no other fan base in the country is as astute as a fan base as far as watching film, understanding what they need to see and what their expectations are, and then trying to get it to you so you understand that we understand what your ex- expectations should be. And, I mean, that's that's totally different from anywhere else, you know, that I see in the country as far as the NFL, as far as fan bases. So because of that, he was prepared by Saban. But even, you know, much, much you know, to talk about, you know, Mac and, and talking about Tua, he has got a degree in it. You know, he's he's got a, a doctorate degree in turning off everything that he doesn't need to hear and getting in there into the lab and really – honing in on what he needs to do. You know what I mean? It, it started in college. He got benched, stays there. They ask for, you know, to win a game for him so they can get to the championship game. He does that, wins it for him, and still gets put on the bench the next game, which is crazy to me because that's how he um, ended up getting benched. But, you know, I doubt seriously, and I, you know, and, and this is just, just me saying it, I doubt seriously that uh, Coach Saban – would have would have done that you know what i'm saying like if I mean, once he turned that corner it's almost like all right now i'm forced to do that i think if you'd have kept jalen hurts in that starting role going into next season and it'd been a legit quarterback battle i think jalen hurts would have beat him out i think he'd be two out 
I really do. Yeah, I know, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I know you're two a guy. I know yeah, you're two no, a guy. No, we're, we're, we're not going to agree with that. Let me ask you about uh, a specific individual Eagle defensive player, and that's Hassan Reddick. As a former offensive lineman, judging by what he's done so far in his career in the NFL, he's a pass rusher. That's what he does. He's going to get to the quarterback. He's going to be an all-out speed guy. That's good. He's going to make some tackles against the run every once in a while, but they'll be fewer and far between. But the strength of his game is absolutely getting to the quarterback. If the, op- if the offensive line knows that and the offensive corner of the other team knows that, how easy or difficult is it to match up against a guy like that who's got a skill, he's proven that it works for him, the numbers are the numbers, but you also know that there are short shorts in his game in other positions. Is he good enough that an op- a team's offensive coordinator is going to take steps to keep him from doing what he's going to try and do? Yes, that's 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 why they want to run multiple fronts. That's why it's imperative that they do. Um, I, it, it's just going to be hard for guys to really focus on that and be able to do that, you know, not just within a series, but within plays, you know, you jumping from a three, four to a four, three front is a lot harder than what people are, are, are thinking right now. You know, you go from a two gap defensive line to a one gap defensive line. It's really hard. That's why I took, you know, um, what's his name? It came over from, um, from um, Pittsburgh, it took him a long Trayvon. time. I yeah. mean, it took, yeah, it took Hargraves almost half a season to really learn how to be one gapper and get up the field and create havoc. It took him a little while to learn that, but you know, he's <clears> going <throat> to have to disguise things. He's going to have to use guys in different positions in order to kind of camouflage, you know, where Hassan Reddick is coming, whether he's coming, whether he's not coming, and use guys in different. Uh, positions like Brandon Graham will be at that same, I call it the Sam and the Will, and then the two linebackers that are deep, you know, in the three forces, I call that the Mike and the Jack. But the Sam and the Will going to have to be interchangeable with guys like Brandon Graham. Um, you know, Sweat, he's going to have to be one of those defensive end slash linebacker-esque type of players. Uh, Barnett's going to have to be the same thing. Those guys are going to be in a position on regular first and second down where they're going to have to drop off sometimes and cover, but also come um, and, you know, as far as, you know, in pass rushing situations. So, you know, it's not just Hassan Reddick. And, you know, because, I mean, if, as an offensive coordinator, you're going to make sure that you allocate resources to stop him as a pass rusher. You're not going to do what people used to do and, and have a, you see a linebacker there, send a running back over there or a tight end. He is good enough that he will beat that guy um, off the top and it'll be a sack. So they're going to slide the line to him. But then you got guys on the other side like Brandon Graham who's going to, you know, turn around. Now he's going to have a running back or a tight end on him. So it's like, you know, who do you, you know, who do you pick as far as stopping this defense? And I think that's going to be very <laughs> intriguing on how Gannon does that and goes about doing that system. I mean, it'll be a great system if everybody buys into it and gets on the same page. But getting everybody on the same page is going to be tough. Um, what was um, the wide nine? What's his name? Um uh, watch Jim Washburn. Washburn. Jim Washburn. Well, his son is probably yeah Jeremiah. Be, yeah, yeah. Jeremiah is the guy who's who's basically in charge of those guys like Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick in practice. He's the one that's coaching them up on how to rush, how to um, you know, play the run when they're out there at that wide position. You know, not necessarily a linebacker, but a defensive end. 
So I think he'll be in charge of the rotation and getting guys in a, in a situation where they understand when they're supposed to come, when they're not supposed to come. So Gannon has guys in place that'll help him out. But, I mean, that's just a lot. That's, that's, that's a lot to ask a player to come in and change his whole mindset going into this season and thinking that he can switch from those type of schemes, um, not just within, you know, a, a, a series, but within a drive. Uh, and Barrett, we obviously have limited time with you, so I got to get the NFL offensive lineman perspective. Jody and I were talking about Jordan Mailata and how stinking amazing it is. Do you ever take a step back and, and say, this is unfreaking believable? I, I remember going to 2020, get, it was the San Francisco game, and the Eagles didn't even want to play Jordan Mailata. And I remember right. talking to Stoutland, and you know we're asking him, is he ready, blah, blah, blah. And, and Jeff was like, I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> they just threw him into the deep end of the pool because they had to. And all of a sudden, he turns into, you know, I, I think Trent Williams is better, but I don't think anybody else is better Absolutely. Uh, right now. It, it, as an offensive lineman, can you impart to the listeners just how stinking amazing this Jordan Mylotta story is? <laughs> He, he is a unicorn. To learn the offensive line position in four years is ridiculous. You know, he's going into his fifth year, and he knows he's an offensive lineman now. But just to learn, it's not just going out there and setting and playing football, but it's learning angles. It's learning how to um, have a strong side of your body in a, in a side that, you know, that they're going to attack. Learning, you know, where your help is, where, where, you know, where you have to, you know, be strong at. You know, you can't let a body in the inside – when somebody's trying to rush you, um, you know, knowing your PowerPoints, you know, staying in your PowerPoints, you know, making sure your knee bends, all that stuff. It took me until my sixth year in the NFL to really be really good at it. Good enough that, you know, I was confident that I couldn't get beat if I did this type of set. Jordan Malata learned this in four years. It took me up until my sixth year. So that means four years of college and four years of high school of being an offensive lineman. And he learned it in four years. That's crazy that he's that good, that he could just um, pick that up and, and, and be as good as he is. Now it helps you're six foot eight, 380 pounds, probably runs like a four, nine 40, a gifted athlete, but still just having a mindset on how to do it. And plus he's well-versed to playing in both sides. It's interchangeable to him, you know? So to me, that's an amazing feat by that young man to even be an offensive lineman, number one, um, after playing rugby. But being at this age and only playing four years and being so dominant, I think it really clicked for him after the Dallas game two years ago when he was going against Lawrence, and Lawrence did something to him. And from that point on, he dominated Lawrence from that point through the game. They lost the game, but he didn't lose. He beat up on Demarcus Lawrence. If you watch the Dallas games from this point on, he will make mincemeat out of Demarcus Lawrence, and Lawrence knows it now too, because he's so good, man. He's so big and so athletic, man. He is definitely a unicorn, man. You just can't do that. You can't take guys like that off the street and put them in a position where now they're NFL offensive linemen. That's that's a rarity. I have never seen it before. And and big ups for Coach Stoutland and also Jason Peters. You yeah. know, we kind of downplay Jason Peters in this whole you know, offensive line thing. Everybody sets like Jason Peters set. Yeah. They try yeah. to get that jump on the ball. They're very aggressive pass sets. They don't, they don't really set back like most offensive linemen do. 
and, 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 and play kind of a passive, they attack. And that's all from Jason Peters and his mindset. So all of them, all of them have the same set and that same aggressive nature. So, you know, JP, you know, and, and, and coach definitely, um, they definitely set the tone on how this office alignment, how this office line plays. Yeah. And especially on Jordan Malata on how physical he plays now. All right. Last one for me, Barrett. If I've heard this once, I've heard it a hundred times from an ex player. Damn. I was just born too early. Um, usually it has to do with the fact that the salary of players just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. But with the National Football League now, the amount of work that you have to do for every single week just keeps going down and down and down and right. down and down. <laughs> Which would you appreciate more, the larger payday or the lesser work week? Well, both of them, I'd be filthy rich. You know what I'm saying? I I, I nickel and dime the league. You know, I sound <laughs> during my league, during my time in the league, I made the minimum probably six to seven years out of my 12 year NFL career. You know what I'm saying? I made I only made like at one contract that I made over what the uh, minimum was. And to me, I mean, to me during that time I was playing, I, I I'm not compl- I'm still not complaining. But I think about Big V. And I believe that I could play better in Big V even now. Yeah. And he got to sign a contract five years, $50 million. Jordan Malata, they got him at a bargain basement price of $64 million for four years. I would say that's that probably that's probably gonna be midway with what starting offensive tackles make in the next year and a half. I could say by the next year and a half, offensive linemen, starting offensive line, good offensive line, I'm gonna make a hundred million dollars a year. No question. Because the position is such a rarity. And especially with Jordan Malata, because defensive coordinators understand how to play Jalen Hurts now. They know he loves to fade right. Well, now it's going to be up to Jordan Malata because he's going to have to go left now. They're going to force Hurts to go left. And when you got Dickerson and Malata over there, that's not a bad way to go either. You know what I mean? It's not a bad way. So that's, you know, that defensive coordinators get paid millions of dollars to stop offenses and I think that's gonna be a major selling point on Hertz going to the left side when you have Jordan Malala and Dickerson sitting there. That's about seven hundred pounds of beef right there. I go yeah. that way also. Yeah. <laughs> I think our buddy Matt Pryor might get paid after this season well, if he's he starting plays right well. now. Yeah, that's what Played I mean. Great. He's gonna be a starter. Yeah. He he got I think five and a half million Barrett on on an extension. I think if he plays well this season, he's gonna get multiple years and no question. You know, He's starting left tackle, the blind side also. Yeah, Uh, He is uh, B. Brooks. Follow him there, you see, at B. Brooks 72, NBC uh, S. Watch him on NBC Sports Philly. Watch him here on the Jacob Media YouTube page with Sports Take. Rob Ellis, D. Gunn, does a tremendous job. Uh, Can't wait to see a training camp, my friend. Can't wait, fellas. I'll see you guys then, all right? B. Brooks, go out and flip the meat. Come on, you're, you're, you're back. You're back here on the Jacob YouTube channel in two hours. So get yeah, out there, get done. to the meat, and get back in front of the camera. Barrett, thanks, thanks bud. Thanks, Barrett. Barrett Brooks here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac, gonna come back. Put a bow on the show. Go for the poles and the pools. Go for the ooze. And the Oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. 
go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Slam dunk champion. Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So that's all right. I go to look. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Got John McMullen and Johnny McDonald last couple minutes here on Birds 365. Uh, when we return next week, the countdown will truly be on. We'll be down to single digits until Oof. Eagles open up their camp. Uh, John, we got the rest of the afternoon here, and it has forever been known as the Friday news dump day, that sometimes stories break on Friday, which we're surprised by. But if someone has a control of the narrative and they don't want to get as much coverage as they can, well, do it Friday late afternoon because newspaper. And I know it's a different yeah. medium. And now they still do it, though. All habits die hard. They it still really do does. It. Because there should be no such thing as a Friday news no. dump day because all we hear about is the 24-hour news cycle. Well, it just overlaps and overlaps and overlaps and overlaps. So there truly is no downtime. I guess it's slightly more down than others. Still waiting on the Deshaun Watson verdict, aren't we, uh, Johnny Mac? Wasn't that going to be like 10 days ago? We are going to find out how long. Imagine if the well, Philadelphia was... Eagles had been the team to get Deshaun yeah. Watson. This, t- this town would be in pins and needles. Yeah, this was the week 
you know, I think everybody thought after the hearing, um, uh, Sue Robinson would make a decision, but then she indicated she wanted post-meeting briefs from each side, and they were due the week, this week, not necessarily a specific day. So she has those now. So now we are truly at the countdown. In theory, today could be the Friday news dump. I think it's more likely next Friday. Um, it, it's let, let, let me just jump in there because I do not feel any sympathy for the Cleveland Browns. They signed Deshaun, traded for, and then signed Deshaun Watson to the biggest contract guaranteed money in the history of the National Football League. But I'm actually getting damn close to being sympathetic for them because they're being strung along here. They got to get their season going. They got to have plans in place. And this process is taking way longer than it should have. Well, yeah. I mean, what's the big deal? Make a decision. I, I agree with that part of it. I don't feel bad for the Browns. I, I think they're baked in. They know there's going to be a suspension. It's a matter of how much. And that, to me, is the bigger part of the story. I think it's going to be. If you're going to pin me down, Jody, I'm going to say lesser than what people expect more than. And the only reason, because we talked to Dan Lust about it here, our sports legal guy. I talked to some other people behind the scenes. You know, judges are about precedent. I think Andrew Brandt said it as well when we had him on. It, 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 if, if Sue Robinson lives up to her reputation as a former judge, She's going to rely on precedent. And the NFL doesn't have any precedent to suspend this player for a season. They've, they've gone through it with Ben Roethlisberger. They've gone through it with Ezekiel Elliott, where they've been accused, but no um, uh, uh, police activity, no prosecution activity. And they acted the way they acted. And that's the precedent. So it's hard to reverse that to a judge from a judge's perspective and say, Oh, this time it's got to be a full season. That's why I think it's going to be lesser than people expect. Yeah, you and I are on the opposite sides of this. I think it's going to be the year, and I think it's going to be indefinite. If it has to go through Roger Goodell... Well, that's different, Jody. I'm talking about Sue's decision. Now, if the NFL appeals and it's got to go through Roger Goodell, maybe. But I think her decision, her decision. Oh, you're just talking going, about her, not what the final yes, outcome is going to be. Yes, yes, her decision is going to be lesser than what people think. And then it's up to the NFL to appeal if they want to appeal. Yeah, I think there will definitely be an appeal. All right. Uh, maybe we have that news dump today and we'll be talking about it on Monday. Probably not. I, again. I'm getting this close to being sympathetic to the Browns. And I'm not sympathetic at all that the Eagles are not the team that is waiting on the Deshaun Watson decision. The decision was made. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll be talking more about him next week as we get down to single-digit days till Eagles camp opens. Be back here Monday on Birds 365. Johnny Mac, have yourself a great weekend. I'm going to continue to rest. I'll probably yeah, feel better, buddy. To. Go, go, go get a nap. I'm, I'm planning on getting a nap at some time this afternoon, but I will be hopefully better and pretty well rested when we return in two and two on birds 365. You've been listening to birds 365. <laughs> 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.